Animal Church, let me hear you. Come on. Hey, listen, man, I am so, so thankful that you are here. And turn to somebody right now and say, good morning. Glad you made it. Come on, give them a little makeup. Come on. You know why I say that is because we know how it is, man. You're getting up. It's the summer, crazy rainstorm yesterday, all this stuff going on. It just means the world to us that you've made it today, whether that's turning on the TV or the computer or you're in the room. It is a big deal that you're here today. So give yourselves a round of applause for getting up. Come on, y'all. Come on. Oh, my gosh. Let's try that one more time. Give yourselves a round of applause. Come on, y'all. Yeah, now we're getting ready. All right, so let's also thank Brian and Evan for covering for me while I was gone. Give them a little love. Come on, y'all. It is true I was on vacation, kind of. I was with my family down in Orange Beach, and this is my dad. Everybody wanted an update on my dad. That's why we were down there. That's his beautiful wife, Cresslin, and they are doing an awesome job of loving on each other and taking care of each other. He's still battling. He's got a lot ahead of him, but we have another MRI coming up this week. But just to be able to spend some time with him was huge. My brother's going down uh, this week. I'll be down there maybe for a couple of days this week. But just would you let my dad and Crescent know that you're praying for them and let them know. Come on, y'all. See, Dad, they all got your back, man. They all got your back. And why I tell you to do that is today's message is really speaking to myself, okay? And I believe if you listen, if you pay attention, if you really apply what we are going to walk through today, I think it's going to help you. I think it's going to help you a lot. And the reason that I want you to really pay attention today is with everything that's going on in my life, I am more aware of what I'm talking about today than ever before. First and most important statement, especially on our family experience day today is you already know this, but family is important. It's very important. And so some people are going to like, why do we do a family experience day? Why do we, you know, let the kids come in and, you know, enjoy worship with us at the 11 o'clock hour? And why do we go through all this trouble? Because this is really a very true statement. Now, you may not fully understand it or you might not fully appreciate it until you're faced with something that reminds you of that. Because I'm speaking to myself. You take it for granted. You kind of just go through the motions. Sometimes we complain about it. Sometimes we gripe about it. You know, we talk about family in this way or that way, whether it's our kids or whether it's our parents or grandparents. And you don't always fully wrap your head around how important it is until you're faced with circumstances or situations that remind you. And here's what I know. This pastor talking to you today, I mess up the family thing a lot. I get the order wrong. Now, this is a, kind of a funny statement because some of you are thinking, what do you mean the order? You talking about the drive-through order? Well, yeah, I get that wrong too, but it really is about the life order. But just to have a little bit of fun because, you know, Simple Church, I love to make you laugh a little bit. Any adult in here that has ever gone through the drive-through with their kids, let me hear you this morning. Let me hear you. Where are you at? Come on. You've probably been there before. You don't always listen well, but this is just a little fun to lighten it up on the front side. The drive-through order, this is Tim Hawkins talking about it. Watch. But we're at this Taco Bell drive-through, right? And uh, we get, it takes us 15 minutes. We get all the kids orders, whatever, whole, okay. We get all the bag, get the money, get the food, throw the bags in the back. We drive off. Second later, one of my sons starts complaining in the back. He's like, I didn't order hard shell taco. <laughs> Mother. <laughs> I said nachos. She goes, oh my, sweetie, I'm so sorry, honey. Give me the tacos. I am, dang it, sorry about that, sweetie. <laughs> Nachos, shut up. Okay, I've never been more attracted to you than I am right now. Can you make daddy some nachos later, baby? It didn't used to be like that when I was a kid, not at all. My dad would have a car full of us. He would pull up to a McDonald's drive-thru, order an apple pie for himself, and drive away. Can anybody say amen? This is just going to make you laugh a little bit. Family and kids and life is crazy. So when I saw that, I had to kind of put it in there. Because we're talking drive-thru, I get it. We don't always get that order right. Thank God mom can make it right. But I'm really talking about life order. We're talking about getting your life in order. And what is the order of life? Proverbs 3, 6. You ready for this? In everything you do, 
put God first. Maybe that's my problem when I go through the drive-thru. I don't always get it right. And he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. In everything you do, put God first. So here's my first question. Take an honest evaluation of your life. Is God first in your life? Or if you're really to evaluate your life, you would go, well, work probably takes priority, hobbies, friends. And if you think you're good, you're going, oh, no, I know God's first. Here's what I have learned. Ask your kids what they see in your life. Now, the truth is we don't really want to do this because our kids are super honest. They're like, you're always at work, Dad. Man, you play a lot of golf or you do whatever it may be. You're always in the garage. I mean, I see you, but it seems like everything else is important. So then I'm going to go back to when your kids are looking at your life, what do they see? Is God first or is everything else first? Now, how do you know if it's in the right order or not? How do you know if God's first? Because some of you think, well, I think he is. So here's where I go back to a big question for you. How do you spend your time? How much time do you give to God, to prayer, to his word, or even church? Now, I'm going to blow your mind with this because I usually try to really encourage you and inspire you. But when I'm looking at my life, if I'm being honest, my time, I'm working on my prayer life. But if someone were to look at me like from another place and kind of sneak in, would it be the most important thing? Spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer. And then even like on church attendance, this was a shocking statistic for you. I did find this. Key statistics, 20% of Americans attend church every week. 80% of Americans are not in church once a week. First time in American history, look at it. It is trending down. This is why everybody comes in here. This is not just you. It's not just simple church. It is America. They're like, oh, I'm going to try to get there. We also look at here, 41% of Americans, they're there once a month. 60% don't even make it once a month. <laughs> so why am I telling you this? Because I start looking at my life and I start looking at your life and I start thinking about you're raising your kids. We're talking about the generations that follow us. We're talking about these little ones that are watching us. What do they see? What is most important in your life? What do the people around you go, man, I can tell this is a big deal to them or to him or to her. I look at Ephesians and it says, don't waste your time, watch your step, use your head. This is a great scripture. Make the most of every chance you get. Don't live carelessly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. What does the master want? He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. So I got to be careful. I can't just waste my time. I got to use my head. I gotta, can't just live carelessly and think, oh, it's all good. I mean, I'm busy and things are going on. But when you start looking at your life, man, it starts going by quick. And if I have learned anything in 53 years, and I'm not an expert, I'm still working on it, but this is why it applies to all of us in here, relationships need time. Can I get an amen? So I'm talking about if you've got a relationship with God, it takes time. If you have a relationship with a spouse or with your kids, it takes time. Now, this is kind of obvious. You don't have to go home to be married, but it helps. Can I get an amen? You don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but it sure helps. See, this is where I start looking at these relationships. It's like, well, I, I know I got to talk to my wife. I know I need to go home. Well, I know I need to spend time with God. And I know I need to go to church. But then think about if we're on the trend of once a month, maybe, and then our kids are growing up watching that. Your grandkids are growing up watching that. And you want to know why it's trending is because maybe it's not as important for all of us. And so we're trying to navigate that. Baseball and hobbies and rest. We just, I'm just so busy. What are you so busy with? Where, when you look at your time, how does it happen? What, where does it go? Don't live carelessly. Evaluate. Kind of walk through this. This is why today is a huge message for all of us. Ephesians goes on, live life with a due sense of responsibility, not as those who don't know the meaning of life, but those who do. Make the best use of your time. So what's the meaning of life? I'm going to give you a hint. We kind of formed the church after love God, love people. Well, what is that about? That's the meaning of life? Yeah, because it comes back to both of those things are about relationships. And God has a way of reminding all of us in here of how important relationships are. 
He reminded me, we're trying to get away. I'm going to spend some time with my family. And I get down there and a dear friend, somebody I love dearly who understood relationships at a level that I hope only that I can one day achieve. And that's this beautiful man right here, Mr. Leroy Faye. See, this older generation, they have a gift. They, they've given us a gift. They live their life in such a way that they always made you feel important. They live their life in such a way they wouldn't miss church. <laughs> They're not going to miss a chance to serve. They're gonna, not going to miss a chance to go on a mission trip. They're not going to miss a chance to have an impact because it's relationships matter. So when the family calls and says, man, can you celebrate this life? I will absolutely be honored to celebrate such a great man as this and hopefully model my life after an amazing man because he's in heaven now ain't no doubt about it he's living the best life because i promise you his investment on this earth was all eternity based it wasn't about one church it was about the kingdom of god it was about making sure his family his grandkids his great grandkids that everybody knew in strangers all of us and then i started evaluating my life your life i'm going what's going to be said of you of me and i'm like ah get a call this week and they're like justin you need to go see ronnie coker Kelly, dear friend, known him for a long time. And you go, well, who's Ronnie Coker and what's the story? Another story that kind of puts things in perspective. Here's a minute and a half of who Ronnie Coker is. Watch. Life throws curveballs, but how you respond is what always stands out. Veteran coach and administrator Ronnie Coker was given the toughest news anyone could be given. I was as though, medically speaking, that... We're going to be done in May. We may, we may make it to June. Coker was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. After successful treatments in March 2022, the disease returned later that year. I have faith that God's going to do what's best for me and my family. It's different. It may not be the answer we're looking for. I don't want to leave my kids and grandkids and wife incredible friends but he knows what's best for decades ronnie coker has been a god-fearing fierce competitor and that will never change afraid chris i used to be afraid and and then this happened and then reality set in it's almost like he asked me why are you afraid i brought you into this world you did all this You've done with what I wanted you to finish. And now you're here with me. How can you be afraid? Now the reason I show it to you today is because everybody in here, you're busy. You're watching online, you're busy. I got stuff to do. I got all this stuff going on. And God is reminding me through great men like Leroy Fay and Ronnie Coker, my dad, Hey, what are you doing with your time now? Here's a picture, and it's, this is all fence posts that different people have made for him. It's in his backyard because Ronnie can't get out battling cancer. And why is this important? It's reminding him of all the relationships he's invested in. And as I talked to Kelly, as we sat and we visited with the family, Simple Church made a picket. We went and put it out there, just say, all of us are praying for you. And here is what I want you to understand and what I am really grabbing a hold of today. Why is FX experience such a big deal today? It's because what we do with our time, whether that's to strangers, to kids that we don't know, whether it's a coach or a Leroy who went to Mexico and loved on kids from children's ministry to student ministry his whole life to all of us in this room is like, dude, you better understand we only got so many days. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are and help us to spend them as we should. The scripture goes over and over and over again. And so many times, man, we're so distracted. We don't really know what his word says because we're busy. We got things going on. We don't really spend time with God talking to him and praying because we did. He'd be like, hey, man, maybe we should rearrange some things and make this a priority. We spend our resources. It doesn't really matter. We're just, all these different things are going on. I'm going, man, what puts it in perspective? I'll tell you what puts it in perspective. Are you ready? It's when you're facing eternity. It puts things in perspective. 
It's not a big deal until it's a big deal. And I do a lot of funerals. I celebrate a lot of lives, and I am honored always to do that. I marry a lot of people, and I bury a lot of people. It's kind of the same. Marrying and burying, they're both death. Amen? Can I get an amen out there? Sorry, just, that's a joke. It's a joke, but it's truth. But when you're facing death, it puts things in perspective. And we all kind of moan, and I'm really not joking. If you're a parent or if you're married, you understand it really is death to yourself, isn't it? If you have a good marriage, it's like, hey, honey, Angie does a lot for me. She dies a lot for me. We die a lot for our kids. And in the end, why? Because the relationships are that important. And when you understand how brief it is and how quick it is, you begin to rearrange and you make it a priority to get up, to get your kids there so that there's those memories there's those markers, whether they're high schoolers, elementary age, toddlers, preschoolers. Why? Because over a lifetime, if we're now down to once a month and we might come a couple of times a year, the next thing you know, those memories and those markers are too far between. And they don't necessarily always understand and appreciate and get what we want them to get. James says it best, man, what's your life, man? You're just a mist and you appear here for a little while and then it's over. This is it. Proverbs says that we should make our plans counting on God to direct us because we're going, all right, God, if our life is short and we're trying to make these plans, what is your direction? God, where do you want us to go? I can tell you this. You ready? It is always towards relationships. This is why Leroy got it. This is why I can't just do a funeral and not talk about Leroy Faith. He really modeled this. His son, Eddie, has been one of my greatest friends. Donnie and Leroy Jr., their family, they have been friends for a long time. Why? Because their dad taught them the value of relationships. What are you, what am I teaching your kids, teaching our friends, modeling to our coworkers, to our world? And then I really go back to, because it's FX, it's family experience. Grandparents, great-grandparents, children, do what your parents tell you. This is only right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first and greatest commandment. It has a promise attached to it. So you will live a long life. Everybody's like, man, I like a long life. And he's like, hey, well, let me tell you how you get there. When you focus on relationships, this is even in the New Testament, I remind you. They're, they're quoting back to the promises of going, hey, you know what? You really want to live a long life? You want to have a great life? Make sure that you honor your parents, why am I taking off to go see my dad? Why am I trying? Because I am trying my best to do the best that I can. I mess it up just like you mess it up. I'm not a perfect son. I'm not a perfect dad. I'm not a perfect husband. But when God's reminding you, you're going, okay, God, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And here it is. It's like, hey, there is a promise attached to it. You want God's blessing. And Leroy showed us and taught us. And Ronnie is leading us and teaching us. Perfect? None of them are perfect. None of us are perfect. But look at their life of going, this is what's most important now. Relationships, relationships. Ephesians goes on, fathers, do not anger your children by coming down hard on them. This is a pretty interesting passage because most of them are like, man, you just need to be tough on them. Well, let's obviously that the scripture's saying a little something different. Take them by the hand and lead them the way Jesus leads. Well, how did Jesus lead? That'd be a great question. How did Jesus lead. I can tell you the one thing is, is he valued relationships. He took people by the hand and he took time for relationships. This is why when you come to church, it's a big deal. It's because it's relationship based. It's not about the building. It's not about the structure. It's about, man, I'm glad to see you. Thanks for getting up and coming, man. It's good. to. How's your family? What's going on in your life? It's, you can do it online, but it's not as easy. We're thankful for online. We want it to grow and continue to do that. But Online, we also want you to find relationships with other people. This is what our friends in North Dallas, when they watched Cam, was texting me right before I got up here. I'm praying for your dad. So, Dad, even people from North Texas and all over are praying for you. So, Dwayne and Cassie's like, their family, he went through the same loss. And Cassie, they go through stuff. Why? You cannot do it without relationships. Take Jesus by the hand. And what will he lead you to? And what will he show you? Is that relationships are everything. I'll prove it to you. When I tell you he took time for relationships, you remember the guy Zacchaeus, the wee little man? What did he do? He said, man, I'm going to be a guest in your house. This was Jesus. With all the things he had going on, Jesus was like, hey, Zacchaeus. I'm like, yeah, he, I'm going to hang out with you. 
And when, when Zacchaeus heard this, he had great excitement and joy. And this is the part that I always, I'm confident the Baptist church was here because here's what happened next. Are you ready? But the crowds were displeased. <laughs> he had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, so they grumbled. 100% Baptist. There it is right there. <laughs> I'm joking because I grew up that way, but you know it's just true. We want only a certain way and it has to be a certain way and we're really good at grumbling and I can't believe he hung out with them. And I can't Jesus didn't care about what you thought. He cared about people. He cared about relationships. And he would do anything and everything to show you the value of relationships. Not empty dead religion, not coming to church to just go through the motions. No, because he was saying people matter, love God, a relationship, the most important, love people, equal to the first commandment. That's not my words, that's his. And he would show you when it came to Zacchaeus. I don't care what anybody else says, Zacchaeus, I know you're a notorious sinner, but let's hang out at your house. That's a cool God to me. There was no condemnation, there was no judgment. It's like, man, I'm just gonna be with you today. I'll give you another example. John 4, you ready for this? The woman was surprised that a Jew would ask a despised Samaritan. Usually they wouldn't even speak to them. Who is this? This is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. Would people, would, you know, there's no way you shouldn't talk to them. You shouldn't hang with them. Here's Jesus going, relationships matter. And then the disciples arrived and they were surprised to find him talking to a woman. <laughs> Why? Because religion and society had told them, you don't talk to them. You don't value them. You don't treat them the same. They're not the same as you. This is why I love Jesus, and this is what your kids need to know, what we need to know, and what we need to practice is that Jesus valued people over politics or personal preference. Because you prefer some group of people, or you think that they're better or worse. And Jesus was like, dude, I don't care about any of those things. I care about people, all people, all backgrounds. And I'll prove it, Matthew 5. If you enter a place of worship, you're about to make an offer and suddenly you remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering. Leave immediately to go to this friend and make things right. Right now, some of you should be leaving. Let's bye-bye. <laughs> you should be turning the TV off. Okay, that's it. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. I, I told a young guy this this week because he was talking about, you know, it's God. You, it's all about this. You, you, you know, God is most important and you have to God. And this goes back to the order of things and I'm working through all this. And then I see what Jesus goes. No, let me tell you something. Working things out with your people, then we can work things out with God because God goes, I'm going to be here. I ain't going to leave you. But man, when you've messed up things with family members and friends and like there's another friend that watches online and they were texting me and I've been busy I'm sorry I hadn't got back to you but they were asking hey I'm sideways with the family member what do I need to do leave immediately and go to this friend or family member and makes things right the best that you can you can't determine what they're going to do you can't make them act right you can't get them to do right but you can model Jesus to them and when you walk in there and go, hey, listen, man, no agenda. I'm just here to try to love on you the best that I can. Why? Because Jesus says, I got you. And when people are grumbling and people are talking about it, it doesn't make sense. Remember, love your enemies, very uncomfortable. He said all commandments can be wrapped up really in just one commandment, and that was love your neighbor as I loved you, as Jesus loved you. How did Jesus love you? He sacrificed and died to everything inside of himself for us. And why is all this important? Because remember, your kids, your grandkids, strangers are watching. And they want to know what's wrong with the church or why you don't really want to come and why you're not going to be a part of it. Because, man, you're just a bunch of judgmental jerks. You're so political or you're so opinionated. It seems like you think you're the only ones right. And Jesus, when you look at his life, it was just the opposite. He was hanging out with notorious sinners. He was going to talk to people that nobody else would talk to. And what did he do? He loved them because relationships were the most important thing. And when he was in those environments, you can talk about our kids. You want to know about why today's a big deal, why they need to be in church and why you need to be in here as much as you can and studying as much as you can and praying as much as you can and walking with God as much as you can is because when the unpredictable happens, when things happen at a drop of a hat, man, and you don't know what's going on and you get a diagnosis or a family member gets a diagnosis, or as last night, 
me leaving a wedding, going to a big fire over in Bozier, lightning strikes the house, burns it down, all this stuff's going on. You think you got it in control. You think you figured it out. While I'm standing there handing out Gatorades, I get another phone call of someone in our church and their relative. And they do work for the Bozier Fire Department as well, but going through a red light, 18-wheeler doesn't stop. And tragically kills his 15-year-old son. You think you're in control? You think you got it figured out? You think it doesn't matter, FX? Oh, it doesn't matter. I don't need to spend time with my kid. I got other things to do. I got stuff I got to do. The best news that I can tell you today is when I talk to this dad. In the midst of all that was going on, he, he talked and basically told Matt Kenny, our other chaplain, he said, hey, listen, the only thing I have peace on is yesterday, before the tragic accident, the day before, he asked his 15-year-old, do you know Jesus, son? He says, yeah, dad, I do, dad. How do you know that you know Jesus, son? He goes, I'm going to tell you why, dad. Because I know he died for me. And I've received that and I believe in that. So when you go back to your time and your energy and what you do and how you spend it and the relationships and the things that are awkward for you, I just don't know how to, this is why FX family experience, this is why coming to church, this is why partnering with us on events, we're partnering with you. We're going to help you to teach your kids, to show your kids. And there's nobody better than you. And 2 Timothy tells us that you know how because when you were a small child, you were taught the scriptures. This is why you bring them. This is why they're teenagers. This is why they're young people. This is why the future of the church is at stake because you and I have an opportunity. Grandparents, great-grandparents, when everything's falling apart, you are doing an awesome job when you're pointing to Jesus and leading to Jesus. Deuteronomy, be sure to teach them. Teach everything, the laws to your kids, the scripture to your kids. Talk about these commands when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. What are they saying? It is a part of everyday life. And now let's go back to evaluate what's a part of your everyday life. TikTok, what's a part of your everyday life? And hurry, I got to hurry, I got to go do my work. I got to get this project done. Hobbies, house repair. I'm speaking to myself. I don't know where you are. And guess what? Back in the day, it used to be, take him to the youth pastor. I was a youth pastor a long time. Y'all know that. Take him to the children's pastor. But let me tell you something. You don't know the best way to impact your kids and to teach your kids is for you to teach them and you to show them. You go, well, why would you say that, Justin? Because you have more time with your kids than we do. In theory, this is why dad as he's facing the most dark morning this morning when he woke up, he goes back to his conversation with his child, not a youth pastor's conversation. Do you know Jesus, son? This is why when I'm talking to my kids about career and they're worried about the future and I'm going, trust Jesus. He loves you. You can trust him. He's got a plan for you. I promise you. When you see a Ronnie Coker and they pull all his kids in and we're walking through everything, what is he doing right now as he's facing Eternity is like, hey, listen, man, don't forget the most important relationship is Jesus. And then it's the way that you lead and impact and serve others. This is a Leroy faith, man. It's like, hey, listen, if I only got a little bit of time, I'm going to be helping kids in Mexico. I'm going to be buying rock albums for a band that he, by the way, he, whenever Open Eyes was starting, we didn't have any money. He stroked the check for us to make the one record we made. An old guy who doesn't really like rock and roll said, man, I've been believing in the younger generation. I'm investing in the future. And guess what? Because of that investment, I'm on the stage preaching. Like you don't have any idea what your investment's going to do. This is why today matters. This is why if you're watching right now, get up, get out of bed, get your kids and come down and spend an hour. This is why when we're doing the little boardwalk thing tonight, bring them down. Why? Because when they're holding the hammer and punching the hole in the wall, we may be dead and gone. But they will remember, man, this was the, you remember when we did this? Do you remember how cool it was when we launched a church on the boardwalk? Do you remember when we had these moments together, these experiences? When you pick up your FX box and you walk out and you do the Do Good Project this afternoon, they're going to look at you and go, I remember as a kid how we were always solving problems and doing good and helping other people in the name of Jesus. And here's the thing, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. So evaluate, what are you doing? 
And what are you getting? Here's another one to say it. If you don't like the harvest you're getting, sow a different seed. Can I get an amen? So if you don't like what, you're like, man, I don't like where my kids are going. I don't like the way they act. I don't like the way this is going. Let's sow some different seed. I can't believe what's happening to this generation. I can't believe we've Look in the mirror. Look at your time. Look at your energy. Look at your effort. Why is FX a big deal? Why do y'all go through this? It's a kid's service. This is just, come on, man. This is it. This is the future. This is the most important things we could do. Galatians 6, you ready for this? Don't be fooled. You can't fool God. A man will get back whatever he plants. Why do you invest in the generation? Why do you invest in your kids? Why do you invest in the future? Because if a man does things to please his sinful old self, his soul's going to be lost. So when you look at what you're putting your energy and your resources and your time into, it's like, man, does it matter? Or are you going to turn around and invest into what does matter? If a man does things to please the Holy Spirit, what God's leading, he will have life that lasts forever. Leroy, I'll see you again, bro. I ain't worried about where you're at. Ronnie, I'm not worried about where you're going. Why? Because, man, it's like, hey, listen, it's going to matter. My dad, I'm not worried about where he's going, man. He's the one that taught us about mission trips. My dad was like, man, well, let's go. Go, son. Go for it. Do not let yourselves get tired of doing good. Is that not great? If you don't give up, some of you are, I'm just so tired. I'm just raising these kids. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Do not give up because you're going to get the right thing at the right time if you just don't quit. If you just go, I can't throw in the towel now, man. I know the statistics don't look good. The odds don't look good. But we have a chance to change it. You have a chance to change it. We have a chance to, to correct what's going on. And what are you investing in? What is your time and your energy, your resources? What are you going to be known for? If something tragically happens this week and you call me and they go, hey, man, we need to do another funeral. What am I saying at your funeral? Man, I tell you what, he, he talked a lot about cowboys. We were always talking about something, man. We went down to the games. and Man, he worked a lot. I'm telling you right, man, I do work, man. Man, I do just a work. What about eternity? What about relationships? Relationship with God and relationship with other people. There's nothing more important, loving God and loving people. When you start looking at how you spend your time and your money and your resources and you look at your life, remember, I'm speaking to myself. Just like I'm speaking to you. Trust me. Let your dad get a brain tumor. I hope it doesn't happen to anybody in here. But the odds are it will. Let your child be tragically taken too early to be with Jesus. Thank God he knows Jesus, but I don't want you to be your story. But if it happens, will it matter how much time you spend on TikTok? When I look at this statistic, the average person spends two and a half hours on social media every day. We don't really read anymore. We don't really pray very much. We barely can make it a trip. But man, we got time for TikTok. And if that's not enough, are you ready? I'm speaking to myself. An hour a day. Look at all the time. 34 minutes on YouTube, 30 minutes on Twitter, Snapchat. This is, you want to look at our life? This is where I start going like, hey guys, we got some work to do. And remember, if you don't like what you're getting, maybe we should try to do something different. Sow a different seed. So if I'm going to wrap up, and everybody's like, man, it's kind of heavy today. Dude, my life's kind of heavy. Can you feel me? And what I want more than anything else is for you and I to have an opportunity to change it. And guess what? I'm seeing it. It's happening. Many of you right now, you're already here. You're getting your kids up right now. You're like, no, this is it. This is my opportunity. There will be kids. There will be families because you get it. Remember this, you reap what you sow. Be careful what you sow. Can I get an amen? Now, just to have a little fun, lighten up a little bit. You go, well, am I really, how's this going for me? TikTok has taught me a few things, especially when it comes to raising young kids. And this is just an example of, remember, you reap what you sow. See if this looks or sounds familiar. Watch. 
Yeah, let me say something. No, don't tell me. If I was in here, I would surely take a day off from you and then a day off from these kids. I'm in the classroom. I'm just done with you. I'm done with you too, but you in time out. Oh, let me tell you something, honey. This is not going to leave. You're going to be in time out? Oh. That's why you in time out right I'm now. I'm sick still. I think so. Well, when I get up out of town and go to bed, I will be glad to go home and enjoy the rest of my life. <laughs> it's not all bad because there's some humor in there. And I'm thinking, what do you think has been sown into her life, right? It's, you're going to reap what you sow. I'm telling you, dude, I laugh so hard. I'm like going, here's the deal. Be careful what you're saying to them. Be, I mean, you know she learned that from somewhere. Oh, my goodness, honey, listen. <laughs> Second thing I want you to remember, I got to wrap up. You reap in a different season than you sow. We're in an instant society. You want everything now. It's going to take over a year to get us the boardwalk. It's just a fact, but you want everything now. No, what you're doing now benefits you later, or it hurts you later. It takes time. This is just a biblical principle. You're going to reap in this season. You may not get it right now. Some of you, the truth is, I pray you're all here to enjoy what we do when it comes to this boardwalk project, but the truth is, some of you might not be here. I might not be here, but I promise you, I'm good with it. I'm going to do everything I can in this church, in my kids' lives, in your lives, to love on you and encourage you and challenge you because we have a chance to change eternity. And what you are tomorrow, what I am tomorrow, will depend on what we do today. Can I get an amen? This is why it matters today. This is why you're watching online. This is why you get to church. This is why you don't miss the FX experience, why you don't miss the next building project. You don't miss anything. Why? You don't miss the next baptism day. You don't sleep in. Well, it's just not that big a deal. It's going to be a big deal when it's your kid, when it's somebody else's kid, when it's the future, when we're facing eternity. And this is why I'm going, why do I love what I do? Why do I get excited to come back and speak and talk and hug you and see you? Because listen, I know that tomorrow will be better based on what we do today. I know that. I know that that biblical principle is true. And I know it's not where we want to be, but imagine if we all just begin to change a little, spend a little more time with God, read a little bit more of what he says, spend a little bit more time making church a priority, making our resources, giving to him and investing in, whether that's drilling a water well or meeting a need in a community. Like I'm telling you, Wes Davis, the guy that was shot here in Bossier, he's having a big fish fry coming up this Friday at Peterbilt in Bossier. And we're trying to raise some money to help his family. Why? He's tragically shot. Innocent guy just standing in the middle of nowhere. But he goes to our church. So go buy a fish plate. Why? Because that money then goes into it. Because it's about relationships. Wes matters. So go buy. Take Friday lunch and go by there and find him at Peterbilt. And go make a difference. Why? Because we know that our tomorrow will be better based on what we do today. Number three, you reap more than you sow. I'm not a farmer. You already know that. And I'm just going to prove it. Me and Angie, we started a little bit. I found a picture of me and Angie just so you prove to you I'm not a farmer. This is one of the scariest pictures I've ever had in my life. I asked Caleb to make me and Angie that you know, classic farmer picture. Who is this alien? My gosh. If I look like that, y'all need to shoot me now. Put me out of my misery. Look at Angie. We were having a little fun with it. But we have opened a raised garden bed in our backyard. Right? This is why I say we're not farmers. But come on, give us a little love right there. We got some farming. We had our first harvest. We planted in a little bit, and next thing we, she, we had uh, shrimp and potatoes the other night, and the potatoes were from our, our own garden. We were like, man, this is awesome. But why am I doing this? Because here's what I know. When you put something in, it takes a little bit of time, but you always get more back than you ever put in the ground. It's true. All of a sudden, she came out with all this stuff. I'm like, where's all this from? It's from our garden. James DeMoss, who's a great friend. He's in my life. He does the, uh, the computer for me every Sunday. He's a local guy in the agriculture world. And I asked him this last life group Wednesday night. I'm like, hey, explain the whole corn thing because I love corn and I love the fact that, you know, it, it grows and you get so much more from it. He's like, Justin, it takes one kernel of corn, one seed to grow an entire stalk 
of corn. I said, oh, yeah, but give me the numbers. He said, one seed in one stalk right here in one cob is 720 different kernels resulting from one seed. I started thinking in my mind, he said, and sometimes they'll have two stalks on them. They'll have two corn cobs on them. So he said, you're looking at 15, one and you get 1,500. This is why when you read the scriptures, you don't really understand. I go back to like 2 Corinthians. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds, he only gets a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. This is a biblical principle. He's going, hey, listen, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. In the same way, he will give you many opportunities to do good, and he will produce a great harvest of generosity. Where? In you. This is why you take the FX box and you teach your kids when we're giving back to help the hub and help the homeless in our area. It's a small plant. It's a small seed, but in the end, it brings back huge rewards. And your kids need to learn it, see it, know it. And by the way, so do you. And the fourth thing, you reap what others have sown. I can't help but think about Leroy and Ronnie. I think about my dad. Sometimes you have these moments in your life where you realize that if they had not invested in the past, you wouldn't be enjoying what you have today. Leroy also helped us do the do-good store. Him and Eddie, they put their money and they put the seed in. So now for since 2012, we had the do good store. And you're, if you've ever shopped there, if you've ever bought anything, that's from the faith family. They helped put the seed in to expand that. You start thinking about the church. We've built buildings before. Me and my brother have done all that. But here's what I realized. The greatest generation is the ones who goes, we're going to keep giving in. Because we know that when we plant now, there's a benefit in the long run. And the best example would be anybody in the military. Can I get an Amen. When you go back to Memorial Day and you go back to 4th of July, I put the image on the screen. These men and these women hiding and ducking to save their life as they stormed the beaches of Normandy, as they're going, man, what's going on? They knew I have to put this in the ground. I have to give now because one day it's going to benefit you and me. And if they don't go serve, if they don't go give, if they don't go plant, if they don't make a difference then, you don't have what you have now. This was generations ago. Leroy was one of those men. My dad was in Vietnam. I started thinking about this is why you, you reap at a whole nother time. This is why churches, buildings, all this generation, everybody's like, I don't know why we don't have anything. And then the ones that do, some people are like, man, they got so much because not this generation, but the generation before has given so much because they knew that one day it would reap benefits. In the same way, here we are, 16 years in the simple church. That's why today's matter. This is why what we're doing now matters for the future generation. It ain't about us. It's still not about us after 16 years. It'll be about the future. John 4, 37 and 4, the saying is true. Someone who plants, right, is not the one who always reaps. It's not the one who always benefits. It's the same way. You're planning now, knowing that your great-grandchildren or your great-great-grandchildren or the strangers of this community or the generations that follow us will be the ones that benefit from what we do right now. Because what we do and what we are tomorrow will depend on what you and I do right now. That is why tonight when we gather, you don't have to come, but if you want to see the future, if you want to see kind of what it looks like, come hang out with us. It's only an hour. If you want to say, man, I walked through it. And then when it's done, you'll go, I remember it before and I'll remember it after. And you go, why are you doing that again, Justin? Because we're trying to build a place where relationships are built with God and built with other people. And I'm telling you that when you start looking at your investments, you go, does it really matter? Let me show you a picture. These are preschoolers pushing cases. And I can remember when somebody snapped the picture, we laughed and said, man, look, there's the future of the church. You've never been more right. This is why you're doing it. This is why you're investing. When I looked through all my pictures and I saw the picture of Hannah serving donuts, and I remember now she's 21 years old. And I'm thinking, you think it doesn't happen to you? You don't think it matters for your kids? Your pictures now tonight with a hammer in the wall when they're out there having a good time enjoying ice cream with spud these are the these are the pictures we celebrate 20 years from now when we're challenging you to do good to grab the fx box when you walk out and go shop with your kids why does it matter because you'll see images like this when we challenge them from the stage and we remind them it's not about you you have an opportunity to do good in the name of jesus and all these babies
figure all this out. One of my favorites over here. Me and my best friend sold lemonade to don donate money to the church. Look at that little note put into the offering thing. You don't think it matters? You think you don't need your kids there? You just need to let them sleep in? Let's play one more round, man. That'll get them. And trust me, I love baseball. I love dancing. I love all of the great things we do. But here's what I'm looking at as I look back in my life. As a 53-year-old man facing situations and circumstances I never thought I'd be looking at. As I listen to a great man like Ronnie who invested in kids and sports and all these different things, it will come down to something way bigger than sports. It's going to come down to do they know Jesus? And have they invested their life and understand the importance of eternity? And are they learning it from their coaches? A better question is, are they learning it from their parents? Because we're sowing now, and one day we're going to reap. And if you want to talk about relationships and putting things in perspective, and does it really matter? You know, I've got to end with a good video. Can I get an amen on that? And so I had to go find there again, found another Steve Hartman. And the reason I found this video, and the reason I think it works so much, is when I start thinking about these kids, I want them to look to this generation that's serving them now. And I want them to understand that what you do every day, no matter how monotonous or how small it may seem, it matters and God can use it. And he's going to use you and me. He's going to use you with your kids. He's going to use us in this community. He's going to use us around the world. That's why people in Africa are watching. It's not just related to this one community. This is why the internet and everything that's happening, it matters now. We have an opportunity to influence the future generations and help them understand that whatever they're doing, day in, day out, that relationships with God and with others is most important. Don't miss what God is doing. And guess who he's using? People just like you and just like this guy. Watch. If there was ever an election in this country for kindest American, the people of Galveston, Indiana, know who they'd nominate. Because I think he's out there to help everybody. That's what he's known for. He just always has been. It's the cloth he's cut from. Just a special guy, very special guy. So who is this great humanitarian who lifts up the people of Galveston? The same man who puts them down. Meet 89-year-old gravedigger Alan McCloskey. Alan has been at this job since 1952 and refuses to retire because he says a new grave digger might not square the corners as precisely, might not care as deeply for all those loving souls. Yeah, people that we went to school with and worked with. And what was your hardest one? My wife. How'd you get through that? I figured she'd want me to do it. Alan and Barbara had three kids. But his definition of family extends well beyond blood, which may explain why a good chunk of the town gathered recently for what Alan thought was someone else's birthday party, but was really a celebration of him. At the party, he got an official Guinness World Record for longest career as a gravedigger, 70 years and counting. But more importantly, he was recognized for the thousands of odd jobs he's done for people. It's his side hustle, but with a twist. We'd ask Alan for a bill, and he wouldn't give us a bill. Never get a bill. Uh, you know, I'll send you a bill. He said, I'll just catch up with you later. And then... Later never came. You, you, never hear, you never hear anything more about it. It was the running joke at his party. Anybody in here still waiting on him to send you a bill for work this year? <laughs> I did ask Alan about this. They say they can't get a bill from you. Oh. But all I got was a hearty laugh. Alan McCloskey, unassuming by profession and persona, but also a bold beacon for anyone in search of meaning. Alan has figured out what life is about. It's not the money that makes him happy. I truly believe Alan has figured out where enough is at. He's found enough. And strange thing about finding enough, you often end up with more than enough. Steve Hartman on the road in Galveston, Indiana. Come on, y'all. How cool is that? How cool is it to look at a guy who's invested in, 
relationship after relationship after relationship. A guy who's not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but gives resources. You saw he walked in thinking it's somebody else's birthday party and brought him a gift. But the true gift is in all of the relationships that he's built and the example that he set. I am telling you now that your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your kids, strangers' kids, this community is watching what we do. And they are desperately looking for a group of people who not just know Jesus, but they live like him. And they make relationships a priority. And when they make those relationships a priority, it begins to change the community they're in. And it changes their family. And when tragedy strikes and difficulty strikes, they're able to point back to the hope that is found in Christ. So my dad, I am praying for you, dad. I'm going to pray for you right now. For Ronnie Coker, I'm going to pray for you right now. For anyone and everybody, the family that tragically lost their son yesterday, we're going to pray for you because let me tell you something. All three of these situations know Jesus, and they all have a relationship with him. And I want more than anything else for you to have that same peace and that same comfort when you face whatever it is the world tries to throw at us. That's why I'm thankful you're here, and I'm thankful that you're watching. Would you pray with me? Jesus, right now, I pray that you would be with my dad. I pray that you would be with Ronnie. I pray that you would be with this family that's going through a challenging, difficult time, Lord, losing a 15-year-old son. But I am so thankful, Jesus, that you promised to be there way beyond my words, that you promised to be the comforter, the helper. Lord, that I pray that in the midst of all the struggle and the adversity, the difficulty we've gone through, that it would point us to remind us of what's most important. It is a relationship with you. And through you, Jesus, we have hope. Because of you, God, you overcome the grave. You are light in the darkness. And I pray, Lord, for anybody who needs that hope today, that on a day like today, they would say, Jesus, come into my life. Man, I don't, wanna, I don't know anything about church. I don't know anything about going through all the motions. I just need that hope that is found in you. And because he overcame the grave, because you, Jesus, have overcome the grave, we can overcome and get through whatever it is this world throws at us. So be with Ronnie. Be with my dad. Be with this family. Be with these people in this room, God, that are walking through all the things they're walking through. And help them to remember that today matters. That what we're doing right now, investing in these kids, in the future, building buildings, trying to help the future get set. Lord, it is an investment that will pay off, not just on this planet, but most importantly, in eternity. We thank you, Jesus, for every leader that sacrifices, every volunteer that gives. Lord, give them the strength and energy they need to love on and invest back. And as parents and grandparents, help us, God, to make adjustments in our lives to be better, to invest in each and every day as if we understand the importance of what we're putting in the ground right now. We will harvest one day in the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can I get